0: Well, welcome to everyone today, especially those that are watching online. Thank you for joining us. But everyone in the room here, it's good to see you all. Today is the end of our journey through the Bible. Come on, I need a better response than that. This is the end. We've been using material from uh, James Emery White. You can find him if you Google him, pastor of a church in the States. And we started off a number of weeks ago by looking at the first five books from Genesis to Deuteronomy, the books of beginnings. Then after we'd done the first five books, we walked through the history books from Joshua through to Esther, 12 books, basically about the life and times of the people of Israel in Palestine, in the land, in the promised land. Then we looked at the five wisdom books, practical living for life from Job to Song of Solomon. We delved into the 17 prophetic books, beginning with Isaiah, ending with Malachi. Then we had a gap when we had a visiting speaker, Andrew Wallerton, who gave us a great message about the importance of the Bible in society. Then we got into the New Testament, which is now we're into life and times of Jesus. And we looked at the four gospels, the biographies of Jesus Christ. Then last week, Sy took us through the 22 letters, of the New Testament, Acts through to Jude, which if you've done your maths or if I've done it right, that leaves one book, one book today, which has fallen to moi. I remind you, it's a 30,000 foot overview. Our goal was to whet your appetite so that you'd go further. We can't... When I say it's the end of our series, this is not at the end of our looking into the Bible. We do that every week. But this has just been this 30,000 foot overview, hoping that you'll dig a little bit more. And the one that we have left is the book of Revelation. Everyone say Revelation. And the reason we've left this to the end is not just because it's at the end, and the reason that we've given it one week all on its own is... Honestly, it's not because it's more inspired. It's not because it's of more value than any of the other books in the Bible. The reason we've left it to the end is just simply because it's so weird. (laughs) But I want to encourage you today to not pull away from reading it. To get into the weirdness. I think a better word for it rather than weird is mysterious. Mystery is good. If we put all that we know together, we still don't know all there is to know about God. He's a mystery. That's our God. It's not a gospel, it's not a biography of Jesus, although there's a lot of Jesus in the book of Revelation, an awful lot of Jesus. It's not a letter, although at the beginning, there are letters that are written to seven specific churches. Let me just read to you. From the beginning here, Revelation 1, 1 to 3. This is from the New Living Translation, at least in my notes, hope it's the same on the screen. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. So in those first three verses, we get a statement about what Revelation is. It's what John saw through a vision, and he wrote it down. It was a vision given to John by Jesus through an angel, and this is actually John's fifth contribution to the New Testament. We know he wrote a gospel. And then we know he wrote 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. Very creative titles. And then we have this revelation. So we know it's from John. John was a first cousin to Jesus. He was the one who Jesus said, uh, John wrote that he is the one that Jesus loved. So There's a closeness and there's an intimacy. And this is a revelation that John saw. The word for revelation, you probably know it in the Greek, is apocalypsis. This is an apocalyptic book. It's, that means unveiling, revealing. So it's revealing stuff about God. But in that verse, those three verses, it also said it's a prophecy, verse 3, that God gave to Jesus through this angel. And we, that God gave to John through this angel. But it was directly from a message from Jesus. And it says it's a prophecy So it is apocalypsis, it's a prophecy, but it's also, it says there, a letter to seven churches. So that's why it's unique, it stands unique in its genre and its its style that other books don't have. It was meant to be read as a circular letter to those seven churches. So the original meaning was read this around to each of these seven churches that are mentioned. And that's what went to happen, obviously we know In those days, many people couldn't read, so it had to be read to them through the messenger. It's full, and this is where we get into confusion sometimes, it's full of imagery and symbolism. And John is trying to put into human terminology stuff that he's seeing, but he can't find the words really. He's doing his very best to explain what he saw, But it's in another dimension. It's on another level. And one thing that's really important to understand as we read Revelation is this. It's multidimensional. You can't just read it and think, oh, this is speaking about the very end of time. It might be. But in the first instance, it's talking about the immediate season that they are in. John is addressing through what he sees and hears some very specific stuff going on in their time. So he's speaking to the actual time of what's going on in history. Then he's also speaking sometimes to the immediate future. It's kind of a warning. Yeah, this is happening now, but this is what's going to happen. So it's this dimension. It's about the now when it was written. It's about the immediate future. But then sometimes he is speaking about the very end of time itself. So you've got these three dimensions going on. It's about now, it's about the immediate future, it's about the end. And we somehow need to decipher is it one of those three, is it two of those three, or is it all of those three? And sometimes it is about the present, the short-term future, and the long-term future, all in the same sentence. That's why it can be sometimes hard to decipher, we have to look at it and say, is this just to then, to in the, fu- the future, the immediate then, or to the end times? And We can apply it then to our lives. So let's start where it starts, with the seven letters. Seven letters that are directly from Jesus. They're addressed to seven specific geographically located churches. I just wanna point this out. Jesus loves the local church. That's why the first recorded message that we have from Jesus that's ascended in this way is in the book of Revelation. Jesus loves the local church. In case you don't know, we are local church advocates. The local church is the hope of the world. And Jesus addresses through an angel, it says to the angel at Ephesus or Thyatira, to the angel. What is this angel or more specifically who is this angel? Well, there are different views. One view is that some believe every local church has its own guardian angel. It's a nice idea, isn't it? I believe in angels. I have heard angels. I've never seen them. Well, let me correct that. To my knowledge, I've never seen them. But I've definitely heard them. I've been in worship contexts where I've heard angelic instruments. So, there could be a guardian angel over every church. It'd be nice if there was. Some think it was just human messengers because the word angelos or angelos is also used about the likes of John the Baptist. He was a messenger. So it can be a human messenger. And maybe they'd send some people to John from the church to say, John, how's it going on the Isle of Patmos? And they, they were em- em- embersaries who came back so that John had given them a message to share with the church. Or more likely, this is the third option, the angels were the leaders of the local church. I know you don't tend to think of angels as local churches, hello, Uh, as, as angels, but probably the best interpretation is that these were bishops or elders or pastors that were to bring the message as messengers, Angelos, to the church. And there are seven churches. How many of you know? Seven, is the perfect number in the bible it's the number of completion and you find in the book of revelation the number seven about different things is mentioned 52 times there are references to seven spirits seven golden lampstands seven stars etc etc so it's a number of completeness it's symbolic which i think why it's used in the book of revelation because this is the book that completes the canon of scripture canon meaning standard this is the, the, the last book. This is the book of completion. This is rounding it all up. And indeed, it's rounding up because it is about the future. It's about the history of the world. Can I just mention this to you? We're calling as a church, I don't want to be super uh, spooky about this, but we're calling a seven-day fast at the end of next month of October, from the 28th of October through to the 4th of November. And we'll end with a prayer feast here on the 4th. Well, I'm suggesting to you, start it on the Monday. Start it if you want at sundown and then finish it at sundown a week later. And that's the week when we're supposed to be, as a nation, experiencing Brexit, who knows? All I can say is we're in a mess and one of the things we'll be praying for that week is not necessarily breakfast, Bre- breakfast? We will be for breakfast. <laughs> we should pray for breakfast. <laughs> <It's not laughs> praying for Brexit, but it's praying for the government and those that are in authority and those, maybe you should skip breakfast, maybe you should skip lunch, Make just one meal a day or three meals a day or go on the Daniel fast, so if you, some of you wanna do that, which is basically meat and water, uh, no meat and water, vegetables and water, vegetables, nuts and water, that's basically all you get. If you wanna do that, do that, whatever, just fast for seven days. We're gonna to look to God. So when we're doing our vision offering in the middle of that, because we want to keep moving forward with the vision. Now, in Revelation, we're going to go through fast now, guys. Everything is debated by scholars, everything. If you want one book that I would recommend to you, um, it's not necessarily on Revelation, but it's about the end times and pulls on the book of Revelation a lot, it's this one. And The Lamb Wins, Why the End of the World is Really Good News by Simon Ponsonby from uh, Oxford and uh, drawn on some of his stuff. It's a great book, very, very balanced, and presents different views. So I wanna say before we go into some of the highlights of the book of Revelation, please be careful of dogmatism. Hello? We can't be dogmatic about Revelation. We can't say, and this is it, and if you don't believe this, then you're wrong. There are many people that think different things. I've changed my mind lots of times about the book of Revelation. Some believe in those first seven books that the churches represent a preview of history. That it's the church at different times and how it's going worse and worse and worse. Maybe. Some believe it's denoting different eras of the church as it's gone through. Maybe. Some believe it's just letters to those seven churches and that's it. It's just about them. My personal view is that it addresses every single era, that it was specific to that area uh, era, that it was about the church that was in, in the immediate, but it's also about the end times. It's addressing every area uh, era, and that means, as a consequence, it applies to us today. Yeah, right. We can't get away with it and say, oh, it was about them. No, this is about us. Which, if you read those first seven letters, can get really uncomfortable. Yeah. And the way Jesus does it is, he, he commends the local church. I, I, I think you are doing this brilliantly. Let's give an example here. This is in chapter 2. He says, I know the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims who say they're apostles. You've discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. That's good news, isn't it? But then there's this word here. Ready? But. but but I have this complaint against you you don't love me or each other as you did at first look how far you've fallen turn back to me and do the works you did at first if you don't repent I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches so the light will go out if they don't repent I've put in questions for you if you're in a small group and if you're not in a small group one of the C3 groups get in one I've put in a question for you to consider this week these are to local churches. What's the Spirit saying to C3? Because it's the same Jesus who speaks. What's he saying to us? Well done, guys. You're doing a great job. Fantastic. Pat on the back. But. Because there must be a book, Because I'm not aware that we're perfect yet. Are we? And if you feel you've got something from God, come and share it with us. Love to hear it. Well, maybe I wouldn't love to hear it. I don't want your personal opinions, I want what Jesus is saying to the local church. It's just your opinion, keep it to yourself. But if it's what Jesus is saying, let's hear it. So let's just look at some things that are mentioned. And I am am going fast, I'm so aware, there's so much. Revelation, guys, it's harder than 22 letters. First of all, let's talk about the Antichrist. Who was or what is the Antichrist? Now, I've just got to tell you this, the Antichrist as a term isn't even mentioned in the book of Revelation. So if you try and find the word Antichrist, it's not there, neither is in the Old Testament, which you can understand, but it is in some other books of the New Testament. It is in some of John's writing. But what is mentioned is the beast and the man of lawlessness. So what is assumed, and not everyone agrees with this, What is assumed is that the beast and the man of lawlessness and the Antichrist are one and the same. So in Revelation 13 verse 1, it says this, I saw a beast. In other words, someone or something that was evil, representative of Satan himself. In 13 verse 2, which is the main chapter on the beast, it says the beast will have power. The beast will have a throne and the beast will have great authority. In verse 4, it says this, The whole world will follow the beast. And they also worshipped the beast. Then later on, it says this, this will come on the screen. He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand and on his forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is man's number. His number is 666. Now some believe that the Antichrist is a very real person to be raised up in history. I think I believe that. Others believe that the Antichrist is not a person, but a system that rules the world. I think I believe that as well. Because the Apostle John, when he 's talking about it and some of the other, talks about the spirit of Antichrist that 's in the world. So a guy came in here a few weeks ago, sadly, he had mental health issues. He told me, "I am the antichrist i didn 't know what to say to him i didn 't say, "Nice to meet you because didn 't think appropriate to say that 's the Antichrist, but there is someone who will probably be raised up, but even if that person wasn 't and i don 't believe he was, obviously he had mental health issues. It was the truth that the Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist, is in the world and is in and is in many people. It's everything that's opposed to God. Some thought Mussolini was the Antichrist. Some thought um, Adolf Hitler was the Antichrist. You can find this on the internet today. Some believe this is not a statement I'm saying of my opinion. Some believe Donald Trump is the Antichrist. Some believe he's the savior of the world as well. So there's a lot of confusion out there. Without the mark of the beast, though, according to this you won't be able to operate economically. According to this, whoever or whatever the Antichrist is, it's related to money and to the economic system. You won't be able to buy food without this mark. You won't be able to trade without this mark. We don't know what the mark is. There's been all kinds. I've watched a film many years ago, Thief in the Night, that suggested it was some kind of code that we had on our our hands or on our foreheads. We don't know but it is related to the economy and to money. Money's a big deal. Hello? What our world worships right now is money. And there is a lot of antichrist in that kind of system. One reason why next week we're gonna look at a whole series related to money because the Bible talks about it a lot. And we're not to worship money, we're to worship God. Some, as I say, don't believe in an antichrist. Rather, it's something that personifies the nature of antichrist. But there is someone, something. My opinion is there is an antichrist, as I say. A a real person that will gather around. That will be everything there is opposed to what Jesus is like. But he may look like a great, or she may look like a great person in the power that they bring to the world. What does 666 mean? Whew! People have tried all kinds of theories on this one. I've got books on, I I had books on this. All kinds of theories. Some say to mark people, others assign words to the numbers and try to guess his name. Actually most names you can somehow work out 666 according to the name. Some believe it's to do with the crowns in the Pope's hat and all that kind of stuff that I've heard, the 666. Just saying what's out there. My, My line is this, I haven't got a clue. And I don't care. I'm not going to get all anal about trying to work that out. I believe there is a force out there that's evil, that's related to the economy. And some of will be related to how do we eat or not, or get food. But the 666, I don't know. If you were to push me, I'd say it's a symbolic number to do with man trying to be like God. Because they can't make seven, because seven's God. He's completeness. He's whole. But they're going to try. Six, six, six. Six re- recurring. They're going to keep trying to be like God, but they'll never get there. It's old stuff that's in there, like trying to get, build a tower to heaven in Babel. It's nothing new. But it will be a perverse imitation of Jesus. Number two. Well, I've got seven points. So help me, Jesus. <laughs> Number two, the tribulation. What is the tribulation? The tribulation is the period at the end of time When the Antichrist rises to power and rules the world. The tribulation will be a time of great suffering. How long will it last? Probably seven years. First three and a half years are when the Antichrist and their power or personality will come to power. And then the last three and a half years are when he, she, they will rule the world. This is what it says, Revelation 13, 5 and 7. The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. He was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. So some people think that the tribulation will last for a specific 42 months. It might do. It might just be a number that's representing a time of completion. Hear this again. I don't know, and I don't care, but I know it will be a specific time on the earth. Number three, when will this happen? Wonder when this is all going to happen. We don't know, but there are some signs. We have to read Revelation with other chapters in the Bible. The best one to read is Matthew 24, because this is the words of Jesus. When he gives some signs of the times, he's sitting with his disciples, and they say, when will this happen? So like I just said, when is this going to happen? Jesus answered, Many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. And at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear. Because of the increase in wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world. And then the end will come. There's lots of signs there. People who claim to be false messiahs wars and rumours of wars, natural disasters. Christians will be persecuted for their faith. A lot of people will turn from their faith. There'll be internal division and discord among Christians themselves. Immorality and insensitivity towards immorality will reign throughout the land. We'll turn an eye to it. The eighth and final sign is that the message of Christ will be proclaimed to everyone in the whole world. Can I just say this? Only one of those can we do something about? Those others are going to happen. You and I can't control the earthquakes. We can preach this gospel to the ends of the earth. And if there's one thing, if there's one thing we've got to do, it's priority that. Because I believe we can hasten the day I believe we can bring the return of Jesus quicker if we'll get on with the task. Come out of your comforts. Come out of your just comfortable middle-class life and let's give our lives for something bigger. That's the gospel proclamation to the ends of the earth. Let's not worry about our lives, even unto death. Let's not worry about our careers. Let's worry about the proclamation of the gospel, honestly. Now, I'm not saying we can't do all those other things, but this is why we live. This is what the church is about. We're not here just to be a holy, blessed me club. We're here to fulfill the commands of Jesus, to make disciples of all nations. That's why we live. And that's what's going to happen. It's going to happen. Whether it's our generation or not, it'll happen. Because Jesus said it's the sign. And I don't know about you. When I read those eight signs from Matthew 24, I think, boy, is it happening. Hello? It's happening, guys. We can see it. What about the rapture? This is another thing that's talked about. The rapture is when Christians are taken off the face of the earth to be with Christ. It was popularized through the Left Behind series many years ago. Any of you read those books? A couple of you? Great. Don't bother. Don't bother. Because it it really is simply conjecture. It's a good, good... Is it good? I'm not even going to say it's good literature to read, but I wouldn't bother reading it. What I would do is read Revelation and try and answer those questions, immediate future, present, immediate future, or in the end. What Revelation does seem to intimate, because the Left Behind series, the way they presented the rapture was that the Christians are taken out of the world where there's, then there's great suffering in the world, that those that are left behind, particularly those that maybe still believe but they're left to evangelize the world. That wasn't a view that was popular until about 120 years ago. Previous to that, everyone thought Christians go through the suffering and then there's a rapture. That's when we go, there is a rapture. I believe in a rapture. That's at the end when the saints rise to meet him in the air and he returns with those that have gone ahead of us. We should rejoice in that. Next Saturday afternoon, by the way, 2 p.m. here, we have a thanksgiving service for one of our members who died recently. We right now believe that he's in paradise, present with his Lord. 2 p.m., Danny Smith, those of you that knew him, you're welcome, everyone's welcome. We're gonna worship, we're gonna hear stories of his life, and we're gonna rejoice. Why? Because we believe there's a rapture coming when the dead in Christ, his body, will be raised up to meet those that are coming back who have died ahead, and we, which is Him in Spirit, and we will be joined in the air with them, those of us who are still alive. I actually believe, and I'm not prophesying this, I actually believe because of the signs of the times and all that's going on, on the earth, and I'm, I'm in my 50s in case you are wondering, I actually believe I could still be alive at the return of Jesus. I think we got more opportunity with technology and such like to fulfil the Great Commission than we've ever had before. I think we can speed the day. I think there are more languages than ever that the Bible's been translated into and I think that's one of the things that has to happen so they can get the gospel in their own world. I think we have the ease of of travel and communication like we've never had before and we can fulfill this thing. And I think it's getting worse and worse. I think what's happening in our own nation could even be a sign to that. The rapture will come, I believe, after the tribulation. Many believe that. Now, if you believe it will come before, if you do buy into the other stuff that i mentioned can i just say to you i hope you're right don't bother coming to argue with me (laughs) i hope you're right because i don't really want to go through a great tribulation do you i'm not saying come on bring it on i don't want this just to be rhetoric up here yeah come on let's suffer together i don't want to suffer i like comfy beds i like heated houses i really do enjoy my comforts so i'm not saying come on bring on persecution bring on suffering <laughs> That's not what I'm trying to say. I hope you're right. I hope I hope we're lifted out, and that the rest who here stay, whether it's the Jewish nation or Christian hope they stay behind, and we. History doesn't show that. Present time doesn't show that. There's a lot of Christians going through persecution right now in other nations that are, I think to lift us all out, so we escape that, is a little bit unfair on them. So I think we're going through it. And then finally, I say finally, we have the second coming of Christ. This is Revelation 22, verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon. This is Revelation 22, verse 20. Yes, I am coming soon. It will be unexpected. You can't predict when Jesus will return. The JWs have done that many times and proven it was wrong. There was a book in 1988 that went out, Why Jesus Will Return in 1988. It was sent out to lots of pastors across the world. Guess what? It didn't happen. And the guy wrote another one, Why Jesus Will Return in 1989. (laughs) Guess what? It didn't happen. We don't know. It's unexpected. But what we do know is it'll be very different than the first time. And if you're to get anything about the book of Revelation, this is it. When Jesus returns, it will be triumphant. It won't be like a baby in a manger where there's just some wise men that gather around. Read the book of Revelation. It's every eye will see him. He will come as the lion and the lamb. He will come as the victor. There will probably be a great battle called Armageddon. Some don't believe there's going to be a literal battle. Some believe it's a spiritual battle. I believe it's a spiritual battle. And I believe it's a physical battle. I think the armies will seek, because they don't know any more than the powers that they've got. I think they'll seek to come against Christ. But Christ will come and he'll gather his followers in the air, he'll defeat Satan and the Antichrist, there'll be a great battle, and then it will end with the great judgment. Look at this, he sees the dragon, the ancient serpent, that's the devil. Guys, there's a very real devil. These last few weeks, I believe the devil's activity in my own life has been off on a scale that I've never known before. With sleeplessness, with attacks of fear and doubt, only these last two days, I didn't even tell my wife this, have some of the things that have been gripping my heart by way of fear lifted from me. Part of it was from worship. Can I say to you, worship is not just singing songs, it's a battleground. It's a battleground. And when we come and worship together, we're not just singing, we are touching heaven. We're joining with the picture that we get of heaven where the angels are gathered around the throne and we're joining them crying, holy, holy, holy. And a lot of singing goes on in heaven. And there's not much silence, which is why we don't have much silence in our services, because it's biblical. And it says, I've got to read this. He sees the dragon, ancient serpent, who is the devil Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years was ended. And Christ reigned for a thousand years. Uh oh. Well, on another subject now, the millennium. Are you post pre? Are you A, what, 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 where do you fit into the millennium? This is one verse in the Bible where the thousand years is mentioned, one verse. And everyone camps around it by way of definition of what they are. Do you believe you'll be, that the end will come and then we go, there's the, the judgment or there'll be a thousand years before, a thousand years after. The A-millennials believe it's now. It's not that they don't believe in a the millennium, they believe in it's now. Which are you? Look them up, it's just good fun. But don't worry about it too much. People ask me, what are you? What am I? I am confused. I think actually I'm an amillennialist, which believes that Christ is reigning right now. So that the thousand years is not a literal thousand years, it's symbolic. But I also have lots of leanings towards being a postmillennialist, which believes that the end will come when the gospel has gone out to the ends of the earth and that the church isn't weak and wobbly, but victorious in the earth. And I believe that. And so I'm, I'm an amillennialist with postmillennial tendencies, though there's some stuff in the premillennialism which I really like, because they believe that there's a, a purpose for the nation of Israel. And I think there are some purposes for the nation of Israel in the end times. So I'm mixed up. I think the best way to describe me is a composite millennialist, which is out of this book here, The Land Winds. I got that from him. I agree. I'm some of all of it. But I do believe this, there is a day that's gonna end all days. That there's a one who's gonna come and reign on the earth. That's when we talk about heaven and hell and the great judgments. I think there will be one return of Christ. We'll meet him in the air and then there'll be the judgment of the living and the dead. And can I say this to you as Christians? Read Revelation. Judgment is not something we miss out on. Lots of people say, well, I'm a Christian, so I don't get judged. Yes, you do. You get judged. Now you won't be judged to condemnation because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We'll get there. There really isn't. So I'm not condemned, but there is reward. And there will be that word that says, "Come and receive your reward. Come and receive your reward." So everyone will be judged. It will be final, it will be just. There is a heaven and there is a hell. I'm just going I, I, that's a whole. There is a heaven and there is a hell. There are different views on hell. I'm not gonna go through them, I just wanna say to you, there is a hell to be shunned. Is it eternal torments or is it annihilationism that some believe in? I don't know that either. I just know there is a hell. And I don't wanna be in a hell, I wanna be in a heaven. Now, those who have died, who've gone ahead of us, they're in paradise. That's the place where they're enjoying life in spirit form with Jesus. Then there is those that have gone ahead who were not Christians. They've gone to Hades, that's not hell. That's the equivalent to paradise. That's where they are now, waiting for the great day of judgment. But one day we all get it, judgment. And then there's the new heaven and the new earth or there's the lake of fire, which is hell. There's a hell to be shunned and we should be more serious about our evangelism if we really believe there is a hell. And I really believe there's a hell. And I think one day God will be in front of us all and he'll say to us, is your name written in the book? The most important thing is, is your name in the book? In the Lamb's book of life, Revelation. That's what will determine your eternal future. If I may close with one a pastoral word to you i've tried to say don't be dogmatic maybe i've been over dogmatic in some things forgive me i have convictions but i don't want to be dogmatic in them. let's not get caught up on what we can't control but let's be involved in what we can control and let's focus our energies with a faith and a confidence the end will come this is what revelation is about if you want it in a sentence The end will come, Jesus will return. There will be a new heaven and earth. And the only thing that will matter at that point is what you believe in regard to Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth and the life and he's worthy of our praise. Can we stand? And let's applaud him in Jesus' name. Come on, we're gonna sing a song as we conclude and worship our God.